Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to C-Note FM. Yes, it's a branding change. I'm trying to... This is like a temporary name, because I want to play with uh, something that fits my new mission statement, which is discussing, sometimes with people, mental health, mental illness, and mindset as it pertains to productivity, business, and creativity. More so productivity and creativity, not business particularly. Uh, I don't want to just have entrepreneurs on here. I want to talk about, talk to really anyone that I can uh, about these topics and how mental health is affecting them and affecting uh, our lives and how people ha are uh, uh, surmounting those things. So C-Note FM is the current station name and uh, we're going to stick with that for now. Well, the station name is still Christian Rivera, but the podcast name is C-Note FM, and uh, that might change in the near future, but for now, this is kind of like just getting myself detached from the old name so that I can be more comfortable doing using a new one. When I think of it, I have some candidates, and uh, I'll get back to you on that in the future. But for now, today's podcast is uh, with the esteemed and lovely and great and a good friend of mine, Miss Sabrina from Personally Borderline. Sorry if you don't want me to say your name. Oh, well, too late. <laughs> um, uh, Purse B Health, Purse B Mental Health, if you're not familiar with her. But if you're on Anchor, you're probably familiar with her. You should be because she's great. And she talks about um, borderline personality disorder. We talked about we had a great conversation. This was the first time I interviewed her, and we spoke about uh, borderline personality disorder, how it relates to things that are going on in mar my marriage, because she knows my story. So we had a little bit of a talk back and forth about that stuff um, and m talked a little bit about OCD, a little bit about media and what's going on um, in the world and how people are um, using YouTube and media to get themselves out there and um, and sort of talking about what her goals are and what she wants to do this year and how to improve herself and her brand and what she's doing. And um, what I appreciate about Purse is that she has a very grounded mindset. Like she's just like focusing on school and doing things, but like kind of doing this on the side, but doesn't have like grand expectations of it. I think she's she's putting a lot of effort into it, but um, is also prepared for, you know, if, if it doesn't quite work, she'll make adjustments, you know. Uh, so she's rad. I think she's a great person. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. It's a good 40 minutes. No, wait. How long is it? <laughs> it's pretty long. I think it's about an hour. Yeah, it's about an hour. Uh, and, you know, person and I, we could talk forever. So uh, it's a good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, let's play that new theme song. It's going down for it. Hello. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Uh, yes. I'm just looking for a water in my fridge if you hear noises. No, that's perfect. This is exactly what I want. <laughs> this is the authentic purse experience where she's like making her bed and playing with her dog and doing all sorts of things. So this Honestly, is the real my life is doing three things at once at any point in time. <laughs> good because we could talk about plenty of that stuff um so yeah i wanted to get you on because uh we've done a couple interviews together and i'm kind of starting this new interview series and i have like a whole crap ton of people that i'm going to be interviewing over the next few months and um i didn't want to pass up the opportunity to do something with you again so here we are here we <laughs> are uh-huh so um well, how are how are you doing first and foremost? How's how's life? Um, life is average objectively and okay. subjectively anything from the worst thing in the world to like the best experience ever. Because mood shifts, you know? <laughs> yep, I'm in the same place. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it's awesome when you're in a good place. Um, yes. However, or but not when you're in a bad place. However, for anyone outside of you, 
it's not awesome at all because they're looking at you like, I had to put you on suicide watch two minutes ago, and now you're like rolling around on the floor. And I'm like, yeah, that's how it goes. Yep. (laughs) Welcome to reality. Uh, Yeah. So um, for those who don't know you, if you would, if you would, uh, uh, if if you would humor me, maybe uh, give your quick sales pitch as to who you are and what it is that you do in this in this thing we call life. Alrighty. So um, there's a lot of things I do in life. Uh, what I do in my advocacy and just kind of online. So on Anchor, I'm known as Perspe Mental Health. Um, that might change. On the internet in general, personally borderline, if you kind of type that in anywhere, my stuff will come up, or purse borderline, um, call me purse. And I'm similar to Christian in the sense that I talk about mental health and just advocate for mental health. But whereas, like, um, I believe he describes himself as talking about it in more of kind of like a business context, um, Mm. I'm very much just like... Let's talk about a my experience and my biggest experience was like my huge breakdown that I try not to talk about anymore because I overdid it. Um, right. And also just other like more factual reports about mental health things in general and most specifically, specifically the things that affect me, which are major depressive disorder, borderline personality disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, um, and I had someone like throw out PTSD once, but that's that's another story. Yeah, I, you know, I recently started looking into complex PTSD. I'm sure you heard some of those segments that I did a little while I back. That's kind of a thing that a lot of um, it's not even in the DSM yet or any of that stuff. It's kind of like being explored. And mm-hmm. interestingly enough, it seems like something that would, if it were solidified as something would end up kind of replacing either replacing uh, a lot of misdiagnoses on um, certain disorders. Like that combination that you're talking about would probably fit into complex PTSD. Um, But it depends on, I guess it's, it's like situationally as well, but I think it would diagnose a lot more people (laughs) and probably help a lot more people who are um, in everyday situations so just to kind of like briefly explain to to anyone for anyone who hasn't isn't familiar with complex ptsd which is probably not many people um yes (laughs) it's it's something that is often misdiagnosed as borderline personality disorder whereas the key difference is the fear of abandonment for for um for for borderline people versus where cptsd is often a series of stressors or constant stress for quite a long time it's either the um the feeling of being like withheld or isolated from social interaction and people and control it's basically like like uh, emotional abuse stuff for a long period of time uh or the perception of it so it doesn't necessarily mean that it actually happened but if you feel like you're being controlled you can also experience complex ptsd when you get out of that situation and experience similar situations. So for me right now, not to make this podcast about me. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So for me right now, I'm experiencing a lot of, a lot of things with Molly that when she says something, she, she means it in a way that is often meant literally, (laughs) which is not something I'm used to. I'm used to situations where there's a lot of passive aggressive behaviors. So for example, if I wanted to go do something, uh, literally go away for the weekend, um, the, the typical response I am used to getting is go do whatever you want. Whereas Molly would literally say, yeah, go do whatever you want. <laughs> it's a very yeah, like, different, very it's, yeah, it's very, but that same wording kind of like gets my heart pounding and like, I start to feel like intense stress and sweaty and it's weird. <laughs> so it's an interesting thing to explore. No, it is. And I was reading, I've read a couple of articles of people saying that, um, that borderline could be just like ways that habits and behaviors have formed outside of PTSD, like within PTSD. So because you've experienced traumatic situations, um, uh-huh. 
you've you've formed these behaviors and whatnot um but i think that kind of stems from also the thought that like um once you deal with the trauma um Mm. for some people like a lot of their borderline symptoms will go away because it's like the trauma is dealt with so now you have um better coping tools to not act out the way that you're acting um which would long like which would um further the statement that like a lot of people are probably misdiagnosed with BPD instead of like some sort of complex PTSD. Although there is a bit more than the um, fear of abandonment that kind of sets them apart. There's also um, just the unstable relationship factor, which it's, I think the distinction there is like relationships can be unstable. For example, like, a side effect, uh, an indirect side effect of, say, major depressive disorder could be unstable relationships. Because, like, if you don't get out of your bed every day um, and, like, you don't see anyone, then people might just give up on you and move on. Same thing with, like, PTSD, depending on the sy- symptoms. Like, if you, for some, for example, if you've been, like, seriously assaulted and you're afraid of going in crowds or whatnot and all your friends hang out at parties, they might give up on you because you're not doing what they want to do um whereas that unstable relationship is very much a direct symptom of bpd um in the sense of just i don't like using the word difficult because then it sounds like you can change um but you're very much difficult i'm very much difficult um and also impulsivity i'm not sure how how prevalent impulsivity is in ptsd i don't know if you're you're aware yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure um, that that's stuff that's um, a little bit more detail that I probably would have remembered two weeks ago, but I started forgetting about. <laughs> it. So, fair that. enough. Fair enough. I was actually the main thing that I wanted to touch on too was um, like psychosis and psychotic behavior. Right. I'm not sure if you know. I know you're saying that this is something you'd remember two weeks ago, but I'm not sure if you you know like the prevalence of psychosis with within PTSD um, or if not... you've experienced any psych- psychotic episodes. Sorry. I'm like taking over this interview. I'm like, tell me about your, no, no, that's fine. This is a talk. So like, <laughs> and, and that's the approach. Like I've been trying to give people like to, to tell the people that I'm planning to interview, like this is going to be a conversation. I'm not going to literally ask you a question. And then you talk for 20 minutes. It's like, let's talk back and forth. Let's okay. whatever like make it casual because uh, I think like the last guy that I had on who was great, Ron McKnight. Uh, if you haven't listened to that podcast, please do I did listen to it. It's good. You should listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, and, and you kind of, uh, I think it's easy for people to get into like uh, a host and person sitting on the chair mentality, but I really kind of want to just be like, we're just people just talking and figuring out life. And that's the way that I want to approach it. Um, yeah. In terms of psychosis, I don't think there has been anything of of, of that um, depth, and I don't think there's anything of that depth that is prevalent in CPTSD as far as anyone understands. Um, but there are feelings of – so, like, with regular PTSD, a lot of people who have it sort of re – like, literally relive the experience. Yes. Where complex PTSD is more about – the feelings and emotions tied to that. Like I can literally start to feel the same kind of stress that I felt in that situation um, versus, um, you know, how I feel now. Um, Yeah. Emotional flashbacks. Emotional flashbacks, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Instead of like literal flashbacks of like someone's in the room and like cold sweat, like, yeah, it's, it's a different experience. Right. And sometimes it can kind of like, taint your thinking a little bit like you know with the situation the example with molly like she could say things that are completely like normal and harmless but to me based on my past situations i could go down a spiral of like oh god what does she actually mean (laughs) but luckily molly and i are so great at talking that you know we i will actually say that to her and she'll clarify and like we can actually communicate really well which is kind of the beauty of that um oh were you gonna say something oh go ahead I think that, like, what you just said, I think is, like, the the dif- the differentiator, the difference between, again, like, PTSD or even complex PTSD and, like, BPD. And it's not necessarily, like, 
the way that you feel is that's how I try to describe like mental illness things because everyone experiences behaviors that could or could not be criteria for a mental health issue. It's just, is it impeding your life? If it's impeding your life, it's a disorder. If it's not, it's something that you just like, is it under your control or is it coming from a malicious place? So where you're saying like, you come from a place of passive aggression and I I would even go as far to say abusive, passive aggression, uh, correct me if I misspeak. And um, it is that place of abusive, passive aggression, where if someone says something specific to you, like Molly saying, go do what you want, you start to feel anxious and you start to reevaluate and wonder like, what's the catch here? And I think that's PTSD in the sense of that past trauma of abuse is now affecting that relationship in a negative way. Whereas um, for like, I think a lot of people with BPD and I'm, I I was a weird case. We've talked about my relationship in extents. If you listen to Life Talks with Christian Rivera on my <laughs> podcast, Personally Borderline, um, Shameless Self Promo, that was two hours of good conversation. This is my <laughs> channel, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, <Got> it. <laughs> it's weird because I have a trauma background, but also what mostly was prevalent in my relationship, my short relationship, when I was feeling those kinds of thoughts was I had very low self-worth. I was feeling lonely, even though I um, was surrounded by people and I had friends. So I was like really confused. So when my ex would say things to me, it wasn't coming from a place of like, what does that mean? Because of past abuse, when my ex would say things like, go do what you want to me, it would come from a place of like, oh, they don't care because I'm worthless and I'm lonely and nobody wants me and blah, 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 blah. So I don't think it's necessarily like the the questioning of what the other person is saying. I think it's like what's causing that questioning. If it's from like trauma and abuse and whatnot, that's like more PTSD realm. Whereas it's like if it's coming from internal irrational thoughts that like didn't come from anywhere, it's just like, why do I hate myself so much? Then it's something else. I'm going to go with another example because I'm super long-winded. So sit here and bear with me. All right. It's also, I like to, okay. I like to use OCD a lot um, in these kinds of examples too. Cause I feel like a lot of people have hard times differentiating between like, is this normal or is this a health issue or is what does it fall into? So for example, um, say you have OCD and one of your like rituals is to polish your shoes. I don't know, polishing shoes, whatever. Um, But you polish your shoes to the point where you lose hours and hours and hours a day and your hands are run raw and it's, it's a disorder. Um, I feel like the difference between like a PTSD habit of polishing shoes, for example, and like an OCD habit is like, if you polish your shoes because your mom was abusive and she wouldn't feed you at night until all of the shoes in the house were polished and you had to do it day in, day out for hours at a time, um, you might just internalize that habit because you always feel like, oh my gosh, if I'm not polishing shoes, like I'm going to be hungry. Whereas if something in your brain just goes wrong and it's like your whole family is going to die if you don't polish these shoes, that's more of like, an OCD example where it's not coming from anything else. It's just your brain is misfiring. And now you feel like nuclear war is going to break down if you don't polish your shoes. Um, and again, it's, it's not necessarily the action that dictates what it is that you have. It's where that action's coming. What place is bringing up that action? And now I'm done talking. Right. No, which is, which is makes complete sense because I've been kind of diving into and, and hoping that my ex-wife can go to therapy and figure this out. But yeah. um, I, I know that it's coming from that kind of a place within her. Like she has a lot of, um, dare I say, irrationality when it comes to people caring about her or not caring about her, or you just kind of like, misconstruing words or immediately jumping the gun, like that sort of stuff. Um, That's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I've, I actually started therapy again. Uh, so I started uh, la- last week, I think it was, and uh, told, basically told the story of my wife to my therapist. And she suggests that she might be borderline, which I was suspecting that she might be borderline, but it's not something you can actually say until my ex-wife actually goes to therapy. So, but um a lot of the criteria fits and 
it, basically the way that I'm looking at it is that like from her, it comes within a place that um, something happened. I don't know what it was, but something either happened to her or, you know, she something caused this behavior or feelings within her that um, leaked out to me throughout our relationship. And basically now I'm experiencing that by extension of that, like not, not that exactly, but you know, symptoms of that in a way, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, but w in terms of, of that sort of stuff, like that, that, um, that, that those thoughts that come into to your head, like you've said in your past relationship and things like that, are there coping mechanisms or things that you are using to sort of uh, uh, learn to look, like look past that or work through that? Or is that something that still happens and you see it in hindsight? Um, it's, it's something that it's difficult because I haven't gotten into another serious relationship and at the, or semi-serious, I suppose I was like 16, 17. So how serious is that? Um, and at the time I wasn't aware that I had any mental health issues. So I didn't even know I had issues. I didn't even yeah, I didn't know that I had issues to cope with in the first place. So that was a whole mess of a situation. Um, recently, I think you were gone while I was talking about this on my station. But recently, um, I hung out with some guy at my university. That's irrelevant. But the, the point is, um, we later decided that we would just like chill with other people, I suppose. Um, mm -hmm. and regardless of whether, you know, the split is amicable or, um, I initiate it or they initiate it or it's terrible or whatnot, my brain kind of goes through a thing where it's like, people are either neutral. Um, mm -hmm. so people are either neutral. We are either friends and I don't do casual friends well, which I've talked about a lot or like, I don't. I want to, like, you're not even neutral. I just want to pretend that you don't exist. Like, you just right. don't exist in my life anymore. So, um, this recent situation, although it wasn't, like, a relationship or anything, it has, it was trying. It's not as trying anymore because I kind of just ignore the person. Um, but I wanted to get to a place or I wanted to actively try coming out of a situation where me and a person did a thing and we're no longer doing that thing anymore. Um, and we can still share the common space that you occupy that we occupied before the thing happened without I either getting so uncomfortable that I avoid it for the end of my days, like I avoid it like the plague, or B, me actively making them so uncomfortable, but like subtly so that other people don't notice making them so uncomfortable that they no longer frequent that space anymore because that's not fair to me or them. Um, and it was, it was difficult. I remember the first day the person walked in and I started having like literal cold sweats. Like it was like withdrawals of a substance. Like I was really, really hot. And then really, really cold. I was like feeling like hot sweat flashes. I started sweating. I felt like I was going to throw up. I got right. a headache. I was shaking. My friends were looking at me. They were like, are you okay? And I had to like go hide in a corner because everyone thought that I was like about to explode. Um, and that happened for like four or five hours, just constant cold sweats. And now about like three weeks later, I see this individual and aside from just like regular annoyance, which I think most people would feel because it's like, why are you here? I don't want to see you. Like we're not friends. Um, mm. Other than that, you know, it's, it's, it has alleviated immensely. So my coping mechanism at the moment is if you can't get over it, go through it and hope for the best. And I'm actively in therapy, which is nice because I go back to my therapist and I'm like, this is what happened, figure it out. And then we talk about <laughs> it, um, which is better than in my previous relationship when I would just be like sitting alone in my living room crying and shaking like why do I feel like this and what's going on and the world is ending so right. therapy is the answer
therapy. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish that everybody would go to therapy, even if they weren't dealing with something specific. I think, yeah. I think everyone's got some shit that they got to talk about. <laughs> um, so from, from coping tools to more practical tools, like I, I see that you're, you're, you're pretty active on Instagram and Twitter. Are you using other platforms? Like, and, and are you usually doing stuff on your phone? Are you a laptop person? Um, how do you go about doing the things that you do usually? Um, so I am more of a Twitter person than an Instagram person. Um, first and foremost, only because I haven't actually revealed my likeness. I haven't linked my likeness to my brand yet. So like Instagram's a lot of work cause I need to go on bubble blocks. I'm not posting pictures of my face on there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I do expose my likeness, I'll probably be on Instagram more. Uh, Twitter is really great because when I'm in a situation where I can't use Anchor or if it's something that I feel like mental health people on Twitter would enjoy more than just like the regulars on Anchor who care about my life as me and not so much my mental health, um, I'll do a thread on there. Um, I have a Tumblr, which I bought a domain. Yay, look at me. And I just, <laughs> I linked the dom- domain to the Tumblr because I, I don't really use Tumblr. I find it a fairly toxic community for most things, but especially mental health. Uh, so my website is just hosted through Tumblr and we'll see how good or bad that idea is. And um, there's also a personally borderline Pinterest, which I also don't use because I, I don't. Um, and... <laughs> Um, there's, oh, I have a medium blog. I have a blog on medium. I Mm. use fairly frequently. I usually just write a companion blog that has to go with, um, whatever podcast episode. And I think I'm going to start doing reviews on there, like typing out reviews instead of doing podcast review. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see what I do. Um, cause it's, it's, it's hard. One thing that I found is kind of difficult is, um, differentiating and deciding, what goes on what platform, if that makes sense. I also have a YouTube, but the YouTube is just used to repost all of the podcasts for people who listen to their podcasts on YouTube. But, like, if you look at, like, the Shane Dawson's or Lucy Moon's or, um, what, H3 Productions, Philip DeFranco, like, all of these huge content creators slash influencers slash Jake Paul, Mass Fan Air, whatever, they have YouTube accounts, they have blogs, they have podcasts they have multiple YouTube channels sometimes like a beauty channel, a vlog channel, a gaming channel. Um, and I'm sure if that's what you do, I'm a full-time student and a part-time actual job holder. So I don't have time for all of that. But if that's what you do full-time, I wonder like, how do you differentiate? This is what I'm doing on my podcast versus this is what I'm doing on my YouTube versus this is what I'm writing about on my blog. Right. Um, and I'm literally just thinking outside out, out loud right now. So if you're like, we're veering off course, just stop me. Um, no, no, keep going. It's cool. <laughs> and in, okay. And in the realm of mental health, um, there's a YouTuber. Her name is Mia and her tagline is what Mia did next. And um, she is in, she's in recovery from an eating disorder and she's kind of in this realm of mental health. And she has a podcast called like the skinny something. I don't know. And I wonder, like, I haven't listened to her podcast yet, but I think, like, how is your podcast any different than your YouTube channel? And is it worth, is it different enough that it's worth me spending three times the time listening to what you're talking about compared to what you put on your YouTube channel? Compared Mm -hmm. to, like, people like, for example, Lucy Moon, I don't know if you know her, she's more of, like, a lifestyle kind of um, YouTuber, so her podcast that she does with other people is specifically book reviews so it's like you want to go for book reviews come over here you want to watch lucy moon herself come over here but if you're like in a more niche market it's like mental health or like race car driving or video games and you're trying to disperse this over three or four mediums how do you decide what goes where without bleeding yourself dry of content because that's what i'm trying to figure out right now because i'm not a general lifestyle blogger i have a purpose yeah well, I, I think that's where your your sort of age comes into play, where you can actually, you know, over time, you'll start to learn who your audience is, how, how they consume media. You know, I like to do podcasting because I feel like that's, well, A, where I'm most comfortable, but B, 
Uh, I'd like to talk to the people who are in their car and commuting to work. I think my, my demographic is typically going to be a little bit around my age, um, maybe a little bit older, probably, I don't know, maybe 28 to 45 is probably more where I'm at, maybe 40. Um, and I know that they're busier and they're not probably going to, not going to watch YouTube videos as much. Um, which is the same thing that's going on with uh, like a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. And I know we have plenty of discussions about him, um, yes. but he's shifting a lot of his content to audio um, because that's where his audience is. Like he's got a lot of young people that will watch him. And those are usually the naive young people that just copy him um, that watch him on YouTube. Um, but then I think like more like me, I'll listen to him through podcasts or most of the time I'll consume content via podcast because I don't have time to sit and stop and watch something usually. Yeah. So and it's really, it's really learning behaviors and habits of the particular people you're talking to. And that could also tailor the content, the way you present it and what you talk about. That's why I chose podcasts myself. Well, I chose podcasts as well because I don't, I'm too lazy to edit, which is why all of my podcasts are kind of shit because I don't go back and re-listen and edit them. Um, Mm -hmm. And video is just way too much work. Um, But I also realized that my demographic as an 18-year-old is very much the Zoella kind of like twinkle lights and like sit down on a bed, like let's do the Bean Boozle challenge and be sponsored by someone and get 100,000 million views or whatnot. Um, Right but I don't have time for that much production in my crap. So mm-hmm. I, I settled with a podcast and I say settled very loosely because I enjoy it though. I, I'm, I am thinking about how I do branch out into YouTube more visually, but also like toying with how I would do it with my likeness and how I would do it without my likeness. Cause YouTube is very visual and I, <laughs> I'm not visually present on my brand. Um, right. Yeah. But one, one little tidbit, I'm giving you like a little sneak peek and all of your listeners um, of like an idea that's been floating around. I am probably going to study abroad over the summer, um, okay. which is great uh, because that might be my little branching into YouTube because then I can do like cool weekly kind of loggy stuff of Europe because right. there's so many people who have never been to Europe and will never go. And that's, right. that's kind of what I'm thinking of right now. Right. And I, I think continuing with, well, first of all, I'll go back to what I was, what I wanted to say before, which was that <laughs> I think within your, I think you are ahead of the game in terms of your demographic or your age group in terms of the people that are creating stuff, because simply there are not a lot of people, not a lot of 18 year olds who are actually putting out content. They're actually, thinking about what they want to do or they're dreaming about being Zoella or Philip DeFranco or Casey Neistat or whatever, and not actually doing anything. Um, yeah. Not, not doing anything, but also setting the bar way too high and therefore discouraging themselves. Like, I don't care who you are. You're not going to be Zoella. You're not going to be Casey Neistat. Those are like one in a million people. It just happens to be that there's a lot of people doing that these days. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, there's no guarantee of that is basically what I'm saying. I'm not saying anyone, any young person can't amount to that and become that, but to act as if you're going to be that will kind of shortchange who you are as a person. And I think the the approach that you're taking of, of focusing on being yourself and working within the confines of like what you're comfortable with and what you could do because you're in school and you're working and you're doing a lot of things, you're like, but I can still podcast. So I'm podcasting. Like, yeah, that's, that's exactly the mindset that I think will carry you forward as you start to, you know, have more time or start to feel like you can do more things because you're developing more of an audience or you're learning more about your audience, and know who to speak to and how to speak to them. And secondly, um, which feels like fifthly, cause I had like 16 things that I said there, but, um, uh, my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of all over the place too. I'm kind of like on a higher manic swing uh, a little bit. So my energy is like, wow. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, when you do go to 
uh, to Europe, like, I think the interesting part of that is still remaining within the context of you as a person. Like I wouldn't want like me, me, at least knowing you, I wouldn't want to see you try to do a version of like a Casey Neistat vlog. I would want you to, to do what you feel person's representation of going to Europe is like, like, I want to see, I want to see that within, like, if you're still, if you're there and you're still dealing with shit, like, I want to know. <laughs> I think that's still interesting. Um, and and um, I, th- I think that's like what I would suggest and what I would like to see is just like making sure that you stick within the confines of you and who you are and um, not try to be something else, which I think you'll be fine. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you. And um, yeah, I think I it's, it's probably going to be not like purse goes to europe it's probably <laughs> gonna be like purse's mental illnesses go to europe um, uh-huh. for for example as anyone who listens to me know communal showers are an issue for me right. um and i want to do a homestay which is when you live in someone else's house but right. that's an issue because i don't shower in other people's houses however right they have residence options where you get a personal shower, like to mm-hmm. yourself. So right. purses, mental illnesses go to Europe would very much be like, what shower am I going to get? And am I going to have an anxiety attack every day when I need to clean myself? I think, I think I'm going to give you some homework, which is okay. sounds scary, but <laughs> um, I'll give you a couple, basically. Okay. Peter McKinnon. He's the guy you should be watching to learn how to edit video. Um, oh, thank and, you. I actually need to learn how to edit video. <laughs> yes. Um, he uses Premiere. I don't know what you have access to. Some people use Final Cut Pro. Some people use Premiere to edit video. Some people just do stuff on their phone. Like, there's other things. But in terms of, like, the fundamentals and, like, like what decisions to make, not necessarily how to literally use the program, but how to be a filmmaker, essentially, Um I think he's a really great guide for that because I can imagine, and this sounds kind of terrible, but I imagine a lot of your mental health woes or the things where you're trying to find like the right shower or the right situation, if edited correctly with like sharp cuts and like kind of interesting angles and shots and stuff, like could be funny spin on it. Like, yeah, I was, that'll be good. No, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I listened to your interview with Ron when it came out. Uh, mm. Forgive me for forgetting. Was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, I listened to that interview. And I, I remember when you guys were talking about how um, you tried to vlog every day for like a mm-hmm. month just mm-hmm. to like see what was what, which I might actually do before going to Europe so that I don't get a bunch of like shitty video. And then it's like, well, I wasted two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. No, I'm going for my education. But um, it's a good way to it's a good way to practice. Yeah, but I remember you saying like a lot of people think they can just roll camera and mm-hmm. go, and their life is going to be interesting because they might be funny with their friends or whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But just because you and your friends are funny together doesn't mean that everyone in the world is going to think you're funny. So it's the same, it's the same, it's the same notion as like somebody who's funny at a party thinking they can go and do stand up comedy. Like that's not how that works. (laughs) Like you, it's a honed craft. You have to practice it. And sometimes it's practicing, you know, while failing, you know, like you have to kind of be willing to just throw yourself out there and like, and, and hope it turns out all right um, at the same time. But um, I think there are a lot of, vloggers out there who are thinking they're doing a good job but i don't think their content's going to hold any water after like their popularity fades like there are a lot of youtubers who are mixing in like tutorials or real life stuff or mental illness stuff or talking about real life shit that can be like valuable for years to come but there was one that i there was one guy that like all of his vlogs were just like me and my friends were just sitting on a stoop and we're just laughing and we're all pointing cameras at ourselves and like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, like, what, yeah. is, what is this? <laughs> Vlogs that lack any sort of further meat. Like it's, it's like what you said, like if you're like an animal 
YouTube, usually even if they're vlogging, it's like we're going to the pet store because that's within their category. But Mm -hmm. people who are vloggers that are just like, vlog my life, those are the like Logan Pauls and the FaZe Banks. And the reason why they can do it isn't because of their lack of category. It's because of their lifestyle. Like if you have a million dollars to spend on filling your pool up with like beads and throwing your kids in it, like people will watch that because most people don't have a million dollars to fill up their pool with anything that's not Mm -hmm. water and fuck around with it. Um, If you're like, I work an office job and then pass out in front of my TV every night. Everyone can do that. Why would I watch you do that for right. multiple days on end? You know? Right. And I, and I kind of got two things to speak to that. One yeah. being like, basically the younger than 25 generation um, is seeing a lot of that stuff. Like they're watching those types of vlogs where people are like throwing money on the bed and yeah. going on lavish vacations and um, sort of uh, uh, like, uh, admiring escapism and money and that sort of stuff. And it's kind of becoming a problem for their identity once they become older than 25 or some of the people that are starting to peak above 25 over the past few years um, are starting to be like, okay, I have to like have a life now and start to come to the realization like, Oh, I'm not going to be a millionaire. Like, what does that mean? And um, start to really come to grips with the idea that like they have to focus on, the process which again is why i say like i think you're ahead of the game because you focus on process and day-to-day stuff like you're i'm sure you've got your goals and aspirations but i don't think that's what's driving you i think you're you're thinking day-to-day you're just like i'm just trying to survive man (laughs) part of it too is like there are a lot of people who get into social media more so youtube and not really Mm -hmm. like podcasting or even blogging anymore but like people my age going into YouTube and they're like, because the thing is, and I've said this before, even if you're not Zoella, even if you're not phase banks, you don't have a million subscribers, like a hundred thousand subscribers or even like a thousand subscribers within the realm of a thousand to a hundred thousand. If we're talking like money, if we're talking, having it as a job, um, if you set up like a Patreon or donate link or you get sponsorships or whatever, and you were, say, like, $1 per person is what you make per month, you know? Mm-hmm. If you have, say, 100,000 subscribers, and, okay, my, I'm probably going to butcher this math, but, <laughs> which is terrible because <laughs> I'm dividing by two. But if you sure. have 100,000 subscribers and even half of those people give you, say, a dollar a month on Patreon, mm-hmm. whatever, that's $50,000 you're getting a month, which is unrealistic. But what I'm trying to say is, like, even if you don't get millions and millions of subscribers, if you get 50K to 100K or 1K to whatnot, you can still have a small following and make some change. And I think that's what a lot of people my age are seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there are people who want to be the next PewDiePie, which I don't think is realistic, or the next Phil DeFranco, who he puts a lot of work. I think a lot of people don't realize how much work a lot of these successful YouTubers put into mm-hmm. their craft which is a whole different topic. Um, However, (laughs) there are also people who are seeing people who do only have like 100K, 50K, and they're making a living off of that. So a lot of kids go into it and they're like, I'm just, I'm going to be able to mash some videos together and make enough money to live on my own. And I don't, I don't need to go to school. Whereas with me, I'm very much like, if this takes off, great, because I can, help my family pay for things that we are too poor to afford right now. And that'd Mm -hmm. be awesome. But I, I had goals before I started this, which was to go into law and I'm still pursuing those goals. So Mm -hmm. I think it's more easy, easy going because it would suck if this fails. Cause like I put so much time into it, but like if this fails for me, it's not like I'm going to default on my mortgage and my mom's going to, blame me for taking out four credit cards to make mm-hmm. like a viral I got four thousand dollars in debt YouTube video you know what I mean right yeah. it's it's more practical thinking versus like taking a gamble and um you know putting yourself in dire straits like you're saying uh but but also at the same time some some uh younger people have the opportunity to to live at home and live cheaply and uh 
you know, try to at least make a run for it. You know, I mm-hmm. wouldn't want to just, I wouldn't want to discourage people from, from trying, but I think the clear differentiator is putting in the work and like actually like loving the process of what you're doing and not just trying to get famous and then feel terrible if you fail. Like, I think at this point, like with you and with I, if my personal brand doesn't really do anything or yours doesn't do anything, like, I think we love what we're doing. I'm loving the fact that we have, we can have these conversations and then I'm like going to be able to talk to a whole bunch of people in the future. And that's bringing me personal value in a way that I can appreciate and love and whether or not this thing fails kind of doesn't really matter. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. For me, it's more so it's, it's not so much like that if it fails, I'm going to drop it completely because I feel like Uh I still have like valuable things to fail or to say, I think it's, it's just, how much time and like where am I going to go with it? If that right. makes sense. So like with mm-hmm. me, I probably won't attach my likeness to the brand because it also is very personal about mental health and I have mm-hmm. a very traditional job that I want to go into unless this goes to a place where it could either replace a full time job or be substantial in another way because I also don't want to like out myself. Um would I stop doing it? No, but it's, it's just, would I focus on integrating across a blog, a YouTube, a podcast and multiple forms of social media? If I'm not going anywhere and making any money from it, probably not. Cause that's taking up way too much time, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'll stop the podcast. And I think the important thing is to have time frames. you know, right. like you were saying, I wouldn't discourage anyone from like, I I mean, I wouldn't discourage anyone from taking a gap year off, say, between graduating high school and going to post-secondary anyway. And if you Mm want to spend your time in your gap year, like, doing this or whatnot, that's great. Um, But if you end your gap year and you haven't accumulated any sort of anything and you're like, I'm going to take the next six years off to, like, keep pursuing this, that Mm -hmm. might not be the best idea. For me, my time frame, I think, will be just – the next, I guess, three and a half years now until by the end of my like undergrad, because then I need to think about grad school, which is going to be mm-hmm. a lot of money and a lot of time. Right. Um, and, you know, four years is actually a fairly long time to get a brand slash a business going, especially mm-hmm. in this day and age where everything's viral and then it's gone. You need something sustainable. So right. if by the end of this, I guess, four years, because I started five months ago, if I have like a substantial following and it's something that I'm making some good money from and I'm going on like speaking engagements or being invited to YouTube, whatever events or whatnot, I can Mm -hmm. like honestly reassess. Like if I go to law school, what will I be doing with it? If, if I'm going to just get my degree, but not practice law because I'm doing this anyway, like, is it worth the money? Like so many questions. Um, Whereas if I haven't gotten anywhere at all in the next four years and I now need to make a really adult financial decision i'll probably still make podcasts but i'll probably just be like hey no more youtube no more blog because i need to spend my time on other things so it's very important to give yourself a realistic timeline um and to stop when you've decided that like this is it you know i've given enough time and attention to this and to move forward in my life this would just hold me back you know what i mean yeah, it takes a degree of self-awareness and the yeah. ability to move on from something if you realize it's not working, which is a, a general difficult, difficult skill that people uh, don't always have. But I think so, that self-awareness and uh, practicality will kind of get you to that place where you can uh, move on when you need to move on, which is good. Yeah, it is good. And it's uh, – <clears throat> well, I, so... I, I'm going to get off my soapbox. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have more to say, keep going. Oh, I was just going to say, too, it's it's a realism on how much time you can spend as well, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, yeah, I will stop when I've decided I'm going to stop, but I'm going to spend a decade on this thing that's never going to work. You know what I mean? Right. Um, if it's something that you do, like, in your free time while you're keeping a full-time job, for example, I do this while going to school and keeping a part-time job. So I have the free, I have the freedom to say, you know, I'm going to spend four years on this. But if Mm -hmm. you are someone where you can't juggle a job and school and working on your entrepreneurial, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you probably don't have the luxury of spending 
half a decade on it because then you're not making any income or gaining any valuable skills. So it's not just being able to say like, yeah, when it's time to stop, I'll stop. It's also being able to realistically assess like, no, it's not fair to live off of your parents in their basement for five years because you're trying to launch a sock startup, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's those, it's balancing all those things. Yeah. It's, it's totally, it's totally tricky. When I was doing the daily vlogs, um, I essentially stopped because I got a full-time job and I was still doing it for a little while while I was actually working the job, but uh, it, it got overwhelming to the point where I just, I had to let it go so I could focus on my work and not lose my job. Yeah. So, you know, real life shit. Uh, and if, and if you or anyone's interested, the vlogs are still up. It's on youtube.com slash rival my design. Um, I did 34, I think I did. So oh, um, subscribe to you. Yeah, so I haven't posted anything in a little while because I'm kind of formulating some plans of what I want to do with video yeah. um, for, for 2018. But um, yeah, those vlogs are still up and I, I did everything I could to make them interesting, which is another challenge when you're doing really any of this stuff is like making your everyday life interesting in some kind of way or presenting it in some way that is not just like, like you said, like, coming up from work and just sitting and watching TV. <laughs> like, yeah. It's got to be a little, there's got to be a little bit more there. So, um, so with that in mind and kind of me briefly mentioning, I'd like to wrap uh, by an hour at least. So we got another 12 minutes or less. Um, All righty. Uh, with um, the, the coming year, I know you mentioned you're, you know, going to Europe and potentially doing YouTube stuff. Like, do you take this time to start planning for the year a little bit? Like how far ahead do you plan or do you have thoughts for what you're going to do with the brand or for yourself in the coming year? Um, I, I always have thoughts of where to go with the brand. I had a very unrealistic goal of where I would be with the brand and the influence, like even up until now when I started back in like July, um, mm -hmm. And I'm definitely not there yet, but you know, I'm, I'm climbing. Um, one thing that I did to prepare because I'm on a winter break, um, and because I don't wor work full time, my winter break is like three weeks, which is nice. So I sat down for like a couple of days and I recorded about five or six podcast episodes. Um, and I release once a week. So pretty much all of January is covered, um, for podcasts um, and then some of February, I have some iffy episodes that I'm not sure if I'm going to post or not, but all of January, which actually is great because it frees up time for me to, um, spend time on my schoolwork, um, mm -hmm. which is really important actually, because if I fall behind on my schoolwork for any reason, podcast or not, I get really stressed and then it, it becomes like, a cycle of failure where like I'm too stressed to do any schoolwork because it's all piling up but then I don't want to do anything else including mm -hmm. podcasts and brand stuff because it's like why would I spend my time recording an episode when I have an essay to write um, but then I'm too stressed to write the essay because it's been three weeks and it's due in two days and then like nothing gets done at all you know and I'm just right. like in a constant state of like can't get anything done until my schoolwork gets done so getting this stuff kind of like done and out of a out of the way in what is like the most free time I will have until the end of the year um school year uh is really really nice because it just it gives me more mental energy to put towards what really really matters at this time which is my schoolwork. and once that's settled everything else will come in um I'm bullet journaling which I talk about um, on my stuff and that's helped me with organizing my time in my day even if I don't necessarily follow my day plans it's nice to like sit down and like every night I just sit down and I make a little chart of what I need to get done hour by hour um, mm -hmm. and even if I don't get it done that day because I'm lazy at least I have a nice to-do list and it's I'm not running around like I have a million things to do what should I start on um, so yeah, really just going into the, especially into these next few months until summer, like my summer is um, with school. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's just looking at, you know, when 
do I have the free time, the liberty to record? And for me, I know you were talking about how um, you can't record like for hours and hours on end because you get burnout. Um, so you're trying to like scale back on right. how much you're doing in a day and all of these interviews that you're doing, which is commendable. And it's great that you realize that and you're not going to like kill yourself trying to make this content. I, as a person is probably more valuable to me um, to just sit down when I had that creative energy and like bang out four or five episodes mm-hmm. um, in a couple of days. And that's, that's, that's what I've been doing so that I'm prepared. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of doing a lot of similar things, which is it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that I was trying to scale back because I'm doing three interviews today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but generally after this, it's kind of uh, I'm sort of narrowing the window of when I do record with people and um, planning ahead enough so that I'm not freaking out because um, I I can't I feel like unreliable. Like right now I've got the energy, but if I've got all these things scheduled for next week, like. I could end up canceling a lot of stuff because I feel terrible and I don't want to do it. Um, yeah. So, so it gets really tricky, but it's also why I'm stacking things right now. And again, kind of focusing on January and like planning ahead and, uh, you know, scheduling all these interviews now so that I can get these out of the way. I basically have interviews planned and I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to release these interviews weekly on Wednesdays. Um, so yours is going up next Wednesday. Awesome. Um, and whatever day of the week this is now. So if you're listening, it's probably Wednesday the 3rd, I think. But whatever. Yes, um, it's the 3rd. Yes. <laughs> I'm on the 4th, anyway. Yeah. Good times. Uh, so I've got um, recordings scheduled that will basically cover me until, like, the end of March right now, which will be – which is rad to, like – okay, I'm good. And then I can focus on making some money and doing some more practical things because this is not making me money. It's just kind of interesting. It's good for exposure, but it's, it's great for just kind of talking about life stuff. And it's another form of therapy for me personally. So I think it's pretty rad. As I like to say, if you're not making money from it, it's a hobby, which is fine. You can have hobbies, but don't confuse your hobbies for jobs because yes. they're not going to take you anywhere at that time. Yeah. The wise words of purse. So uh, <laughs> last thing, this is a question I've never asked you and I'm, I'm ungodly curious. Okay. What is your favorite color? Oh, it's blue. Okay. That was a quick answer. <laughs> oh, no, because I'm sitting in my room, which is all white furniture and blue uh, accents. And anytime anyone walks in here for the first time, they're like, oh, <laughs> they're like, oh, you must really love blue. I have like my dog's name is blue. I had friends come up when my ex came up to my room the first time. He was like, wow, this is a lot of blue. And I was like, yes. Um, so hands down, it's like a Tiffany blue. Everything in here is a variation of like the Tiffany blue color. If you find that swatch, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I did have a question for you. If we okay. can like roll back real quick. Sure. Um, I wrote down Peter McKinnon. I'm not sure if you said another word or another name because I heard you say something and then my mind was like, expel uh, this information. No, um, Peter McKinnon is a good one. Um, there's a, um, there's another channel called travel feels. That's pretty good. Um, he does some good tutorial stuff. Um, but I would even. Them. Oh, what were you going to say? I would well between the two of them, I would prefer Peter McKinnon, okay. um, and then um, I, I would even recommend watching some of Casey Neistat's vlogs, like more of his more recent stuff, because his is more of like in terms of like uh, analyzing the editing and stuff. Because mm-hmm. his he's he's not a like he's a filmmaker, but he's like he's a lot more like run and gun and quick and dirty when it comes to like editing and stuff. So um, he's not trying to be fancy. Whereas Peter McKinnon can get a little fancy, but he's also just been doing it for a very, very long time. Um, But he's really good at breaking down like why you should edit this way or why you should make certain cuts this way or color grading or um, filmmaking uh, in terms of like music to use and (laughs) things like that. So I think that stuff's interesting. That was, I was actually going to ask you a question, okay. but you kind of touched on it uh, real quick. Cause you are the tech guy, you know, all this stuff sure. um, 
for someone who is poor and living off of ramen like I am, mm-hmm. um, how does one find royalty-free music to use on things like YouTube, which sucks? Because it's like, basically, I'm asking you, how do I rip off right. great music without being copyright claimed, but also without paying for it because I'm poor? So how do I steal uh, people's music? I would... SoundCloud is a good resource because a lot of that stuff is like local artists and they're not copyrighted stuff. Um, There is a a YouTube licensing tool. So like if you literally like upload the song or a link to the song, or you can look it up or something and uh, Mm -hmm. YouTube will tell you, basically YouTube will tell you if there will be a copyright strike um, for that song. Uh, So I think it's the YouTube audio library. So there's a bunch of music in the YouTube audio library that you can use. Um, yeah. without a problem. Um, I use a, for YouTube specifically, I use a service called Epidemic Sound. Um, it is a paid service, but it's like 15 bucks a month. Um, and it's all this amazing, really, really good licensed music um, that I that I love. It's I use it for all the event projects that I do. I use it for like all of my edits and it's amazing. So um a lot of really good music, tons of uh, genres and options, and you'll find tons of stuff for the things that you need. So I would that would be like the number one recommended thing is Epidemic Sound. Just sign up for the YouTube license, and then if you're willing to pay the 15 bucks a month, there's that. Um, if you're looking for something more free, I would I would find like a couple of artists on Epidemic Sound or not on Epidemic Sound SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. that you really like their work and literally message them or find them on Twitter and message them and be like, yo, can I use your stuff in my vlog? And I'll put a link or something in the description and just kind of do that. Cause people love the exposure. So that's what awesome. I do. That's some very valuable information. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And thank you for having me. Yes. Uh, one last thing before yeah. we go. Uh, if you can think of one, if you could ask the community or anybody that listens any question, what would you ask about basically people in my audience, which is 25 to 40, probably techier people, video people, um, and some people who are having mental health issues or uh, having businesses dealing with mental health issues. If you could pick one question for them, what would you ask? Um, well, you seem to cater to the entrepreneurial type. So my question would be, you know, as you're getting your message out there or your product out there, again, how do you differentiate between not necessarily what content, because I don't think you have like bloggers, I suppose, but like, how do you differentiate between what medium and I suppose like how you sell that product across the mediums? I don't know if that makes sense. For example, like if you're selling a fork, or you run a fork lifestyle content, whatever, how do you change up what you're doing across YouTube versus your medium blog versus on Twitter versus a podcast about forks? Like, you know, how are you making it interesting across all of those things? Let me know so that I can steal your ideas. I'm going to make that the name of this episode, Fork Sales with Purse. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Fork Vendor now. Um, Fork Vendor. (laughs) invest in my fork startup in which you can buy forks online instead of in ikea fork socks and shoe shining that's the Facts. oh yes yes, yes, yes. <laughs> shoe shining, shoe polishing <laughs> limited uh, as always it's a pleasure to talk to you um hopefully we can do something on your channel soon i think we've got plenty of things we can still talk about we know we can always go for hours uh mm-hmm. we have so our first conversation is still on your, um, still on your podcast. Uh, it's called Life Talks with Me, Christian Rivera. Yes. It was it was a very good conversation, um, and probably defines who we are as people <laughs> really well. Um, yes. And uh, I'm sure we'll do more. Uh, and one before you go, is there anything you want to plug your, your channels or website, things like that? I feel like we went through it, but rapid fire, uh, Twitter, Medium, Instagram, all of those social medias at Purse Borderline, at P-E-R-S Borderline. Um, my website, personallyborderline.com, which is actually attached to a Tumblr. So if you look it up on the Tumblr app, 
you're not going to get the full experience because there's a whole bunch of links and stuff. So either look it up on your mobile web browser or on a physical lap, like computer web browser. Uh, what else? YouTube, personally borderline. Um, yeah, I set up a Patreon, but it's not active because no one's paying me for shit. But <laughs> if you listen to this in like eight to 10 months time and I have a following and you would like to give your money to another person instead of to Starbucks, you know, five dollars uh, my patreon's probably going to be personally borderline or something along those lines and that's pretty much it fantastic i'm sure we'll we'll update the people as we go so Alrighty. thanks for joining me this was a good time as always it was a good time i will always join you great all right talk to all you right. later bye Hey, everybody. I want to thank you guys for listening to the CEDO Audio Extravaganza. If you would like to go to HiMyNameIsChristian.com, you can sign up for my newsletter where you'll get the written version of the podcast and uh, follow me on Rival My Design on all the social channels and all that good stuff. We can chat and have ourselves a jolly good time, whoever it is that I am. So I really appreciate it. And um, thank you, guys. I hope you have a good one.